Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moments, which is part of our Fick Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I am the Chief Data and FX Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I will be joined by Stephen Chu, who is our Chief Asia Rate and FX Strategist. So today I want to talk about the euro and about whether we have moved into a phase where no news is good news for the euro. It certainly feels that way if you look at the price action that we've had this week and really in the past in the past several months. Uh, certainly, um, after the election, re-election of uh, pro-European French President Emmanuel Macron, there, there was a little bit of a big disappointment for for Euro bulls in a sense that they, there wasn't any Euro upside early this week, uh, and so at this point you have to wonder why. Why is the Euro? not rallying on anything. And that's probably the easy question. But the tricky question is what what is the outlook from here? How much more Euro downside do we contemplate from here before we kind of feel that this is a good time to get back into, into the Euro? So on the why question, I said it's a kind of easy question because I feel that uh, the there are several Euro negative drivers that tend to dominate at the moment. And that's really been the case since the beginning of the year. Those drivers are international drivers and there's not much that can be changed, uh, done to to change this this environment uh, for the near term anyway. So I'm thinking about the international risk premium and in particular, the war risk premium that's built in the euro since February 24th, but that's only getting worse, sadly, in the wake of the the headlines we're getting out of Ukraine uh, on a daily basis. Um, And the other other international risk premium that's come back to haunt the euro, uh, any kind of euro upside this week, it's concerns about China. So it kind of felt like China was forgotten in the first quarter, uh, with all of the attention being uh, on the war in Ukraine. But there are there are some predicaments that are co- currently weighing on sentiment, and the price action that we've seen on dollar yuan uh, in the past few sessions is certainly. Uh, pointing in that direction, and that's also weighing on the euro. And why is that? It's simple. It's uh, Europe. Europe and the eurozone is uh, highly exposed to the Chinese economy, and when China and uh, the China the Chinese growth prospects deteriorate, it has an impact for the eurozone growth prospect and also for the euro outlook. And, and, you know, in the past few sessions, we've seen a good correlation between euro dollar and dollar yuan. And the other point I would make is the yield differential. So, and that's something that's not going away. The, The Fed and ECB respective monetary policy prospects remain strongly uh, euro dollar bearish and in general dollar bullish. And the matter of the fact is that the Fed uh, started exit strategy before its normalization process is already well underway. 
uh, and the ECB is lagging on that front. And um, for the time being, we're still at a stage of the cycle where uh, the, the, the magnitude of Fed rate rikes is, is, is a dominant theme in, in the FX markets and the euro and the yield differential, whether it's nominal, relative or expected uh, US versus Europe yield differential, that remains still very negative for the European single currency. So those, those two elements, I think, are re respond to the why question. So if we move on to the what is the outlook from here question, it's, I think it's a more tricky question. I mean, the very near term outlook seems for the time being that you can't move away from being a euro bear or from pricing in negative risk for the euro uh, in the near term. Uh, I mean, we, we have, however, seen some big moves on the euro dollar already. So the euro is down nearly 8% from this year's high um, against the dollar. The euro is down about 15% from its 2021 high. At, that was 123.50. It feels like a long time and a much higher level than where we are here. So big moves already. Uh, the market has uh, readjusted. You know, the market used to be very long euro. Uh, and we've seen, uh, if, if you look at the CFTC numbers, we've seen adjustment um, in euro exposure. So no overstretch in, in the euro anymore. And also, you know, from a macro perspective, you may start to argue that the euro is becoming undervalued. It's becoming historically cheap. And there's maybe some question mark as to how much more downside do we see from here. And I, I kind of feel that we need a positive catalyst and trigger before contemplating switching that the view of your downside. You know, at best, what we can hope is a range, but every time we move into a new range, it's the downside that's being tested and the price action is compelling and it's, it's negative for now. So for the time being, I would say that uh, the parity level uh, remains uh, a feasible level. It, it is still a possibility. Uh, and we, yes, the moves have been large already, but we can't identify any positive catalyst for the time being. We will be looking, uh, but it's just not happening. So if you ask me, I feel that the catalyst will probably be internationally driven, um, hopefully some kind of progress uh, from uh, on the war situation or uh, any kind of hope for, for peace, um, but that's something that's just not coming just yet. Um, and also on the international front, and you know, as we've been looking back at China, uh, we'll have to see why kind, what kind of measures comes out of China and how well can China contain um, any kind of jitters with regard to the outlook for, for its economy and its implications for its markets and in particular for its currency. And that actually takes me on to um, Stephen. And Stephen uh, has been bullish on the UN uh, until very recently. And uh, as you publish your second quarter outlook, you uh, identified the risk that uh, were coming through the UN and that proved to be validated by the price action we've seen. So now I'm curious, uh, Stephen, you know, what is your view on, on dollar UN from here? And 
you know, obviously there's a near-term downside risk for now, uh, but does that change? Does that change the outlook that you have for the currency for the longer term? And we have been bullish on the currencies that worked well, but is it a game changer just for now, or is it a long-term story? Thank you, Audrey. So as you said, we have been optimistic about the yuan since really the pandemic outbreak. So we like the yuan basket, which is the yuan's exchange rate against its major trading partners, just because we think China is going to outperform. Now, the reason at the beginning was because um, China handled the pandemic relatively well and contained the cases compared to a lot of the economies. The second reason is because of all the export orders transferred from other export markets, say from Mexico, say from Vietnam, just because um, they are facing an outbreak of their own, so they couldn't export as usual, and all the orders went to China and hence fostering Chinese exports. Now, this is also the major reason why the yuan has been outperforming up until the first quarter. A lot of the market people have been talking about the narrowing China-US yield gap. However, that to me, it's not the primary driver for the yuan. For example, early last year, market was playing the reflation theme and the US yields have been rallying already. So we're already seeing a narrower China-US yield gap since last year, but that's not doing a lot to the yuan and the yuan continue to strengthen. So that tells you the story that it's not about yield differential all day long. Now, until very recently, the China-US yield gap even flipped negative. If we look at um, all the bond yields gap, especially 10 years, um, that got the headlines. But still, even up to that point, the yuan was relatively stable. It's not until very recently, as you said, uh, market focused on China's lockdown situation, then the picture flipped. To be very honest, um, it all started with the uh, partial lockdown in Shanghai, but that's uh, that started out in February. So it's not something new. It has been happening in the first quarter. However, um, market decided to focus elsewhere. As you said, there's the Russia-Ukraine situation. And um, late February, March, it's all about news about Russia and Ukraine. So probably market somewhat disregard the situation in China. And also given um, China has been uh, successful in containing the virus at the beginning of the pandemic, so probably market perceived it as just transitory. They didn't think it's going to be an issue. So now entering Q2, we think that um, the Russia situation will taper to the background and will probably not be a major driver for global FX market and Asia FX market as well, unless things go south from here. So when we think about what could be a major driver apart from the Fed, then it's probably going to be China. So Audrey has kindly pointed out that in our Q2 Asia FX outlook that was out on the 8th of April. So we turned more defensive against the yuan. To be frank, we didn't say um, we dislike the yuan and expect the latest slump in the yuan, especially last week. Now that's a bit too far, but we did point out there are a lot rising risk for the yuan to drop, and indeed that happened. So last week, just to offer some numbers, 
the yuan fell over 2% against the dollar, and that's the largest weekly depreciation since 2015. So that tells you how abrupt the move was and how market was shocked by the yuan drop. So in the near term, we think the key driver for the yuan, it's gonna be the lockdown situation. Now, Shanghai is still under partial lockdown and very recently market feared that Beijing will follow suit. We all know that Omicron is very transmissive and it's probably unlikely for China to curb it in a short period of time. So we are likely to see pockets of lockdowns across China and that's gonna make sure market to keep bearish about Chinese currency. So unless we see a material release of lockdown and a recovery in the macro numbers, we think market would decide to stay bearish on the Chinese currency. So in the near term, dollar China may have more upside risk than downside risk. So if we look at it from a technical perspective, we think the next resistance for the dollar offshore yuan will be 6.61. If that's broken, then we are probably talking about 6.72. So where, when will this stop? It depends on when China can get the virus under control and can release from lockdown. Otherwise, it would probably be a one-way street. Now, of course, we also have to care about what China will do to stabilize the currency. So very recently, China cut the FX triple L ratio and that tends to release extra dollar liquidity and support the yuan. And it did support the yuan, but that's for now. Because from experience, we know that whatever China puts out to slow the yuan's drop or rally in the case of last year, it usually wouldn't last long and couldn't flip the trend just because it's always fundamental driven at the end of the day. So going forward, if China's export outperformance can continue to keep up just because lockdown is released, then the yuan may stabilize and rebound. Otherwise, we may be seeing more downside risk for the yuan from here. That's that's great, Stephen. Just uh, one question, actually. I've I've read in some people talking about seven on dollar yuan, which is a big number. How realistic this this prospect is, or is it not realistic? I think that's totally possible because. Um, what happened in 2020 and also during the trade war in 2018 and 19, it proved that China wouldn't um, protect or guard a particular level in ethics. Now, in fact, um, the yuan was as low as uh, near 7.2 per dollar back then. So seven is totally not an issue for China, as long as if it lets market to reflect their view on the currency, then it's totally possible it's gonna reach seven. But just to jump back to your earlier point, in the medium to long term, we think actually it's probably a good window for the yuan boost. So once China get the lockdown released and handle the COVID, we think its export outperformance will be a major tailwind for the currency. And also one development that market has started um, to talk more this year, it's about the yuan's reserve currency status, just because with what happened with Russia. So there could be more reserve assets demand out of the dollar. And apart from the Euro, the Yuan is the obvious candidate. In fact, 
there were news um, recently saying that um, some central banks are thinking about rotating their uh, reserve currency out of the dollar. For example, Israel, Israel has been um, holding their reserves in dollars and euros, and now they're thinking about the yuan. So in the long run, this could be a major tailwind for the Chinese currency as well. That's that's very interesting. And certainly at the, at the moment, you know, being a GTNFX strategist, it feels like you have to have a global view and your expertise on dollar yuan is very relevant. And I, I personally feel that uh, if and when we get uh, a more optimistic uh, outlook for the Chinese, remember the, the euro prospect will also start to, to improve. So that's uh, that's one part of the equation for, for a better euro outlook. And the other one obviously being um, improving prospects uh, on the war situation. Um, I think this is it for, for us today. Thank you very much for listening in. I hope you found the podcast very interesting and useful and we will be back very soon. Thank you. Thank you.